Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the resurrection of Jesus and that Luke has recorded it for us. Father, please help us to think clearly about such a familiar event that we would understand him better and so understand ourselves. Amen. Well, repeating things is uh, one way that people try and make sure that we know something. Uh, When we're at school, learning our times tables is a matter of almost endless repetition. Uh, TV advertisers saturate our televisions with the same ad over and over. When I'm watching the rugby, I I lose count of how many times I'm told I need to drink Bundy rum. Uh, When we listen to Bible talk, sometimes the speaker will say something like, this is important, so I'll say it again. Uh, When ABC News programs... Uh, and they almost always recap the headlines. They start their news with the big events, then comes a whole bunch of other stories, and by the time they get to the end, they want you to make sure that you've got the big stories of the day, and so they repeat them, recapping our headlines for tonight. Now, repeating things to make sure that we remember them is an ancient form of communication. Uh, The bit of the Bible we're looking at today is filled with it. In Luke 24, Luke recounts the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and he keeps repeating things. There's a whole lot that went on that day, but there's certain things Luke wants us to make sure we know and understand. And so he keeps recapping the headlines. And he has some pretty important news to share with us. By the end of the chapter, we'll understand Jesus better. We'll know what God is doing in the world today and we'll discover our part to play in it all. Luke 24 is a pretty exciting chapter. So let's have a look at Luke's repetitive account of the resurrection. The first thing Luke wants us to know is that the resurrection happened. It's not some myth. It's not some fiction, as people from both inside and outside the church would have us believe. Jesus really came out of the grave. The resurrection happened. And Luke tells us this by repeating two things. The first thing he repeats is that the tomb was empty on that Sunday morning. There was no dead body inside. In verses 1 to 12 that we've just read, we're told in detail about the women who went to, find the t- went to the tomb but found it empty. They meet a couple of angels. They then go back to the disciples and tell them about everything. And so Peter then gets up and goes to the tomb and finds it empty. The tomb's empty. Then the scene changes to two of the disciples making their way to a village called Emmaus. Jesus himself comes along and walks with them, but the disciples don't recognise him. Jesus pretends to not know of what's happened in Jerusalem over the last few days, and so the disciples fill Jesus in on the drama. It all gets repeated. We'll pick it up in verse 22. Have a look at verse 22. The disciples told Jesus... In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Luke's just recapping the headlines. Luke's saying, this is important, so I'll say it again. The tomb was empty. The second thing Luke repeats in order to confirm to us that the resurrection happened is Jesus eating with his disciples. Now that might sound a little bit strange to us, but I think Luke's point is that Jesus was really alive, really physically alive. He did things, physical things. Jesus joined the two disciples when they got to Emmaus for a meal. 
And when he did that familiar act, he'd probably done it hundreds of times before, he broke the bread. And when he broke the bread, the disciples recognized him. Now at that moment, Jesus disappears. The two disciples run back to Jerusalem to find the other disciples. And what do they tell them? I'll have a look at verse 35. Verse 35. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. You see, Luke repeats the fact that Jesus broke bread with them. And he continues this theme of Jesus eating with his disciples for the next eight verses. In verse 36, Jesus barges in on the two disciples retelling the breaking of the bread incident. And the disciples all think that they're seeing a ghost. So to prove to them that he's not a ghost, Jesus got his disciples to touch his hands and his feet. They felt his muscles and his bones. They gave Jesus fish to eat and he ate. In other words, Jesus is really physically alive. He's come up from the grave. He's risen from the dead. Luke wants us to know that the resurrection really happened. And look, if you're sitting there this morning and all this stuff about a a dead man coming back alive again is just a little bit too fantastic to believe, if the idea of Christ's resurrection from the dead seems a little bit far-fetched, Luke wants us to know that it really happened. And there's been plenty of books written since that investigate the plausibility of it all. So if the truth of the resurrection is a concern for you, come and see me after and I'll I'll point you in the direction of a, a few good books that you can read. And if that is you, you're in great company. Because back when the resurrection happened, the disciples themselves were bewildered. When Peter went and saw the empty tomb for himself, he saw it, but he goes away wondering what on earth happened. The two friends on the way to Emmaus, they don't recognize Jesus, and they don't know what to make of the women's report of an empty tomb. When Jesus appears to the disciples, they think they're seeing a ghost. They might have been there, but they haven't got a clue what's going on. They're bewildered. Now, thankfully, Jesus told them what it all meant. Jesus explained to them why he had risen from the dead. And it becomes clear in his explanations that the resurrection is huge. We're up to point three on your outline. And again, it's easy to tell what Luke thinks is important when it comes to understanding the resurrection of Jesus because he just keeps repeating things to make sure that we get it. The first thing that Luke repeats to us about Christ's resurrection is that it happened on the third day. In verses 7, 21 and 46, we're told it was the third day that Jesus was raised from the dead. Have a look at verse 46. Verse 46. Jesus says, This is what is written, The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Now that's actually a little bit peculiar because as far as I know, there is no prediction in the Old Testament of the Christ rising from the dead on the third day. So I think what Jesus is doing here is he's tapping into the Old Testament idea of the third day being the day associated with God's salvation. The third day became the day known as the the day when God comes and saves his people. Now we have days that signify things all through the year. Uh, January the 1st, that's uh, New Year's Day. 25th of April is the day we remember victims of war. And we all remember the day that our mums were victims of our own birth. Now, in the Old Testament, they had calendar dates as well. There's Passover, the the Day of Atonement. But there was also this third day. And it, it was the day that came to signify God coming to save his people. I'll give you a few of the examples in the Old Testament. 
in Judges chapter 20. It's on the third day that the Israelites gain a victory over the evil tribe of Benjamin. In 2 Kings 20, uh, King Hezekiah is uh, healed from a life-threatening disease on the third day. And in Hosea 6, God's people are under judgment. They've sinned and God's punishing them. But Old Testament Israel's expectation is that God's punishment will end. God will restore them and it'll happen on the third day. The quote from Hosea is on your outline. Um, So have a look at it. It's on the middle there, in the middle of your bulletin. Uh, The people of Israel said in Hosea 6, Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he'll heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days he will revive us. On the third day he will restore us. You see, it's the third day that God will restore them. Now, third day after what? Well, nothing really. It's just what the third day came to mean. The third day is the day of God coming to save his people. And so Jesus comes along and says, I must be killed and then be raised from the dead on the third day because he came bringing God's salvation. Now that makes Christ's resurrection from the dead very important for us, doesn't it? Because if Jesus was raised on the third day, that means God's salvation has come. It's here now. Jesus was raised from the dead as the one who can save people. And that can include us. As we'll see in a minute, Christ's salvation is for all the nations, all the peoples of the world. So we can be forgiven of our sins. We can have God's fury at our sin turned aside. Because of Jesus, we can enjoy God's forgiveness and the sure hope of heaven. Because of Jesus, we can be saved from hell. Do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? Because the Lord Jesus came back from the dead to make sure for you. Like we saw last week, all you have to do is ask. You just have to ask. The second thing that Luke repeats for us in order to draw out the significance of the resurrection is the fact that the scriptures foretold it. Uh, The Old Testament foretold that the Christ would rise from the dead, which means that the disciples shouldn't have been surprised. Jesus even rebukes his disciples for not uh, realising that he would rise from the dead. Skip back to verse 25 this time, verse 25. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And look again, Luke wants us to get this, so he repeats it. Uh, it repeats Jesus recording, uh, telling this to his disciples a second time in verse 45. Have a look. Verse 45. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. The scriptures foretold that the Christ would suffer and then rise from the dead. And we've seen this over the last few weeks. We've looked at some passages like Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53. There's a quote from Isaiah 53 on your outline again. Have a look at it. Isaiah 53 verse 10. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. The disciples shouldn't have been surprised that Jesus was raised from the dead. He's the Christ. And the scriptures say that the Christ will rise from the dead. God said it had happened. Now it's not only that the scriptures foretold that the Christ would suffer and then rise from the dead. It's also that by dying and rising from the dead, Christ has fulfilled the scriptures. In other words, 
It's not just that there's some references back there in the Old Testament that predict Jesus will come back alive again. It's that the entire scriptures are all about it. The whole Old Testament looks forward to the death and resurrection of Jesus to make sense of everything. You cannot understand the Old Testament without Christ's death and resurrection. Everything in there is all about him. Have a look at verse 26. Verse 26. Jesus says, Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. That's astonishing, isn't it? What was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. The whole thing's about him. And to make sure we've got it, what do you know? Luke says it again. He repeats it. Have a look at verse 44. It's another headline. Luke wants us to get this. Verse 44. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Our Lord Jesus is saying that he brings the Old Testament to fulfillment. All of God's purposes for creation are achieved through Christ and his death and resurrection. God's plans of rescuing a people from all the world so that they can belong to him forever in glory. All of God's intentions, all that God promised in the scriptures. Finally, we can make sense of it all. For it's all about Christ and it has come to fulfillment in his death and resurrection. Now to illustrate the difference that Jesus makes, I'm going to describe something to you and you need to see if you can work out what I'm talking about. Once I tell you, it's a dead giveaway, but see if you can make it out before I tell you. First thing you need to do is gather all the offending items into one location. It's not necessary, but uh, uh, sorting them according to degrees of difficulty can be helpful. Protective gear is also preferable, as it allows for a more thorough treatment. Receptacles are then to be appropriately filled. Then proceed to treat items from easiest to most difficult so as to maximise efficiency. Now, does anyone know what I'm talking about? Did anyone else get it? That's great. I don't like you very much, Daryl. That's right, it's it's washing up. Once Daryl tells us that, thank you, Daryl, everything falls into place, doesn't it? The offending items are simply the dirty dishes, the protective gears, just your washing up gloves, the receptacles is just your kitchen sink. But without knowing what it was all about, except for Daryl, it's hard to make sense of what I was saying. Now that's sort of similar to the Old Testament. We can read it, but unless we know what it's all about, it's kind of hard to make sense of it. Well, the wonderful news that we have this morning is that in his death and resurrection, Christ has fulfilled the Old Testament. He makes sense of it all. Which means that whenever we're reading any bit of it, we need to think through, how does this help us to understand Jesus? It doesn't matter whether you're reading Deuteronomy 16, Joshua 7, Jeremiah 31, Psalm 23. It does not matter. It is all about Jesus Christ and him risen from the dead. Now, knowing that is going to help us with at least two things. First, it's going to help us read our Old Testaments. But second, and more importantly, it helps us to know our Lord Jesus better. God has spoken many words in the Old Testament. 39 books, nearly a thousand pages... And our precious Lord and Saviour says, it's all there waiting for you. 
to help you know him. Now that's an exciting prospect, isn't it? And look, if this idea is a bit new or unfamiliar for you, can I encourage you to invest in your Christian walk with God? Invest in getting to know God better. Invest time in reading your Old Testament. Buy some books that will help you understand how the Old Testament teaches us of Jesus. There's several good books out there on this topic. Um, I've read a few. This one is the best uh, in my experience. It's um, God's Big Picture by Vaughan Roberts. Uh, We basically worked through this book in a sea change course earlier through the year. It is well written. It is clear. It is faithful. It is short. Um, If you haven't read it, it is well worth it. It is a fantastic read. The best read I've had in terms of thinking through how does the whole Bible, Old Testament included, teach us about Jesus. If you want to know more about that, just come and see me over morning too. But let's not lose sight of what Luke's trying to say to us this morning. Christ's resurrection is huge. It brings a climax to the entire Old Testament. All that God has said in the Old Testament now makes sense. God's plans of salvation for the world have been brought to fulfilment in Christ and his death and resurrection from the dead. And since his plan of salvation is for all the nations, for all peoples of the world, Christ is now proclaimed. And this proclamation of Christ is also something that God spoke of in the Old Testament. The Old Testament speaks of the nations hearing of the Christ, that they too would be saved. Have a look at verse 46 again. Verse 46. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Now, did you notice that? The scriptures not only look forward to the death and resurrection of Christ, they also speak of the time when repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached to the nations in his name. And that time has come. God's plans of salvation have come to completion. Christ is risen from the dead and so now Christ is proclaimed to all the world, just like God said he would. God himself is making it happen. Evangelism is what we like to call it, but it's actually God's work in the world today. God is making sure that Christ is proclaimed across the globe. It's what God said he would do, making sure men and women, boys and girls across the entire earth repent and believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. Now is God's time for proclaiming Christ, which gives us great confidence as we go about proclaiming Christ, doesn't it? Not only do we want people to hear of the Lord Jesus and so we tell them, not only do we want people to hear of Jesus and so be saved and forgiven of their sins and so we tell them, it's what God wants. He spoke of this very age thousands of years ago, even before Jesus. This is God's plans and purposes for the world today. He's making sure people hear of the Christ, risen from the dead, that they might be saved and forgiven. God is making this happen. And that should fill us with confidence. So as we stick our heads over the fence to chat to our neighbours, don't be surprised if the opportunity to talk with them about Jesus pops up. Proclaiming Christ, that's on God's agenda. And so we should be looking out for the chances that he's going to give us. Or when we're waiting to pick up our uh, children from school, don't be put off by the busyness of that situation. God could very well have someone for you to talk to. 
someone for you to share the news of Jesus with, that they too might be forgiven. Or when you go back to school tomorrow and you're hanging out with your friends in the playground, make sure you're keeping an eye out for what God could be doing, won't you? God loves to save people. And he could very well be using you to rescue your friends from hell. And then there's when you go out for your regular walk. I'm sure a few of us do that. Maybe you see it as a chance to get some time for yourself. But what if God has in mind that person that you see every time you go for your walk because they're going out for their walk? God just might have them in mind for you to be sharing the news of Jesus with. Or how about when you go to the park and play with your kids? It's not out of the question, is it, that you could strike up a conversation with someone there? And who knows where God might take you in that situation? If the conversation swung around to Jesus and what he's done, that we might be saved from sin, well, that wouldn't exactly be earth-shattering, would it? You'd almost expect it. Because making sure that Christ is proclaimed is what God is doing in this world today. Our job is simply to try and keep up with him. So as we tell people about Jesus, our confidence is in God. That we would proclaim the resurrected Lord Jesus to the world, that's his plan. And his plans never fail. Let's pray.